This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Let me start. You ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Hello, Cavalry Plus subscribers. You are listening to the first episode of bonus content for the Murder Chronicles. Uh, I'm the producer of the show, Brandon Morgan, and I'm here with our host and writer, Carolyn Osorio. Hello, Carolyn. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for making time. Uh, so this is our first foray into this uh, into this bonus content business. So let's make sure that. Um, that we give the people uh, who are kind enough to subscribe uh, their money's worth. So what I wanted to do was really kind of make this about you and your process and kind of give people, um, like pull back the curtain a little bit to let them know how uh, a professional true crime podcaster actually gets things done. Um, the mistakes, the obstacles, uh, the small victories, and um, ultimately, you know, what your goal is for this. And I think people know by now, if if people have subscribed to Cavalry Plus because of you and your work, then they're familiar with Shadow Girls, and so they know that you're not the run-of-the-mill um, true crime podcaster, okay? That you have advocacy on your mind and that you have victims' rights on your mind. And uh, that's what I think sets you apart, and that's why I'm really stoked to be working with you, and that's kind of what I want to get into uh, with this whole bonus content and specifically starting off with this episode with toxic is that cool with you yeah that's great and i and i really um i think we also talked about we wanted to have more of a kind of casual vibe of it so i hope that people as they listen you know we do very we take we take the episodes so incredibly seriously and so this is an opportunity for us to you know kind of talk about our process and and when we put the episodes together you know, it's it's a lot of conversation and dialogue goes in. And, um, you know, so this will be a more casual conversation. So don't judge us for it. Yeah, I have no problem. Jeez. Casual isn't something that I have to kind of strive for. I'm maybe a little bit too <laughs> casual. That, that's, some- what, that's what I love about you. <laughs> you're you're um you know, you have a very New York sense of humor, but you're mm. also incredibly, and I think that sometimes, you know, that's a really, that's a lost art where you can be both like gregarious and funny and not take yourself too seriously, but then also on point when you need to. And I, and I think that that's a really great dynamic and, and why we work well together because I take myself way too seriously sometimes, mm. So, mm. you know. Yeah, and- well, not when I'm around, damn it. Okay, so... <laughs> That's why I had our disclaimer up top. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, and, and, and I like that. And I think that's something that's going to work with the bonus content is that they'll see a different side of you, right? That, that you're not just this, you know, social justice kind of person making sure that, that stories are told and that voices are heard that normally are drowned out, that you also have uh, a, a side that's less buttoned up. You can, you let your hair down and you can talk about stuff and the frustrations that go into it. And, the fun that we have and uh i think it'll be um 
I think this will be good. But I want I want to jump into this right now. And the, and the first question that I want to ask, well, there's actually two, but I'll start with one. Um, you mentioned early in the at the top of the episode that um, you've covered this material before and you didn't feel like you, you did it justice. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So let me kind of walk listeners through how I came to this case, which is through a law enforcement source who has become a friend. And I sat down with them and they told, he told me about this case and I'd never heard of it, you know, and being, you know, a local from the Pacific Northwest, which I pride, pride myself on. And a lot of the reason why I cover a lot of cases here is because I have such a connection to this place. So I'd never heard about the Deborah Swiger story. And um, the next step in that process would be to do a public disclosure request for any information related to the case. And that is what led me to the King County uh, prosecuting attorney's office in King County and what they do. And those people, I always have to give them credit because these records folks, I mean, they're that's way too simplistic of a term for them. They do amazing work. They basically make sure that all the information that people request is is redacted to protect the privacy of children and and innocence. And and it's a lot of information to go through for them. And and it's a thankless job, but I really appreciate them. So let me just say that. So you make an appointment and this was during the pandemic. So it was like this is like the first time I'd been out you know, <laughs> and the streets of Seattle were completely like I was the only one walking yeah. around. So they they let me come in, which was amazing. And it's a room and there's like 10 or 12 boxes and it smells like the 80s. Like it's got that, you know, that old library smell. And mm. um, and so the it, smells, person, it smells like neon and cocaine. It doesn't smell like teen spirit. <laughs> It smells like an old librarian, but okay. you know, so, so, so anyway, so the, a person, a records person has to stay there with you the entire time, which is a little bit weird. And, um, and you just start going through it. You start going through the boxes you start. And, and it's like, it has everything from, cause this case was adjudicated and went through a trial and, um, and then it has all the newspaper articles because they keep that kind of stuff and they put that in a file and it just has, I mean, it just has, you know, I could have been there for days and I was there probably a full day. But as I got through, I really didn't feel like I knew Deborah. Like I had my own feelings of of what I thought her motivations were based on, you know, being the age that I am and, you know, all that. But I didn't know. I, I felt like I, I wasn't. And, and that was the part that I did. I didn't feel that I did her justice is that. So I reached out to her friend. And I figured she's going to know everything about her. They're, they're, they were besties. They were business partners. She's going to know the the good and she's going to know the bad, you know, and that's, and so I reached out to her and she thought about it. And I have this mindset of, you know, when I went into doing a true crime podcast, I wasn't going to be shoving microphones in people's faces that I didn't want to. And, um, I wanted to basically throw it out there with some people and and wait for them to kind of get back to me because, you know, some people, they don't, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened to them. They don't yeah. want to talk about it. And I respect that. You know, I really, really do. Um, As you should, the soft sell usually works better. Well, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a, a mindset of like, I want people who want to come and, and I want to be their advocates. You know, you talked about advocacy mm -hmm. and 
when people come to you and ask for your help, I mean, it's like the, I mean, it's not an ego trip, but it's like, you have to be kind of an egomaniac to think that what you're doing is going to help them, you know, and that what you're doing is going to, you know, bring attention to their case and to do it really well and to take the time to do it. Because a lot of people, they just don't have time for people. But it's a responsibility. It's a heavy responsibility. I feel like it's a very heavy responsibility because when I take on something, I want to do it well. And sometimes you can't do it as well as you would like. And that's basically full circle how I felt in this case was that despite all the research that I did on a cold, you know, on a case that was, it wasn't cold, it was solved, but on a case that was like, you know, happened in the eighties, like, you know, even though I had all this information, I didn't feel like I knew the the victim. Um, so she wasn't ready to give an interview. Her, um, I think I referred to her as um, Jane. Jane in the podcast. Yeah. She she said, let me think about it. And I could tell that she seriously, the way, it's funny how you can tell what people think by like one sentence. And so I really thought maybe, you know, and it didn't materialize. And so then when we were going to do the murder chronicles, you know, fast forward, you know, two years later, and I just decided, you know what? This is the case that I'm going to start this episode off because it's such an important case. You know, we mm-hmm. talk about domestic violence. We talk about toxic masculinity. We talk about a lot of gaslighting. And this case is so like, you would have never known that this guy was doing this for, you know, like he's he wasn't in your face about it, but he was like in her face and she thought she could handle it. And you and I talked about this before and, and you said, I said, we were referring to somebody else, but you were like, well, why were you doing this with this person? And I'm like, Brandon, I thought I could handle it. And it wasn't anywhere near what that was. Yeah. But how we think that we can handle people and how wrong we can be. Well, that brings me to, it brings me to something that I'll, I'll, I'll bring up later, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to come in with a hot take later on that might piss you off, but it's okay. Um, what I want to talk about first is how did you get Jane? Did you just leave it alone and she came back to you or did you make another overture to get her story? Well, I told the story without her based on all the research that I did. And then when we were going to do the murder chronicles and I was like, I, this is the first case. I feel like I want to, I want to see. And I just, I just reached out to her again. I messaged her and I just said, Hey, I'm going to, I want to revisit this episode. I feel like I didn't get Deborah the way I wanted to. And she, it was instantaneously. She didn't even say, she's just like, yeah, I can do it. And we made the appointment. And then when I was talking to her on the phone, we first started out, she's like, yeah, I listened to the episode. This was in a different um, podcast that I was doing, a Pacific Mm -hmm. Northwest podcast. And it was like, I, it meant the world to me because this is, this is the, this is the mana. It's like when you, when you tell a story and the people involved in the story really feel like you got it and they, and they, they trust you, then, I mean, that's everything to me. So, you know, hold on, let me ask you something. What do you think about Jane's reliability as a narrator? given her, um, because I just like to put things through the um, a filter of like of myself, right? Like for me, 
And if, and if something horrible like this happened to my best friend and someone called me for an interview, I don't know if I would be able to give really an unbiased opinion of my best friend that something bad happened to, right? So the 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 the, the sound bites that you got from Jane, the interviews forgot you got from Jane were amazing and were heartfelt and were tragic and were sad and were were really pro Jane. I mean, sorry, we're pro Debbie, right? Whereas Debbie as a person, you got to admit, and this is the hot take that might piss you off, had a lot of flaws, okay? And the reason that she thought she could handle this fucking maniac, Bill, was because as a married woman, okay, she admits to having several extramarital affairs that, to use your words, ended a little crunchy, okay? (laughs) So, so... And listen, there's the, I'm the last person to victim blame here, and I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is how much of this – I don't want to put any blame on on, on on to Debbie, but the fact that she thought she could handle this guy was because she'd been in bad extramarital relationships before. Okay, So how much of it was a world that she created and how much of it was this the, the, the proclivities of this lunatic bill? Right? And let's just be honest about it. If I'm I an mean, asshole, I'm an asshole. It's fine. No, no. Like, I mean, I think that I think that you can't think about a case like this and not think about those things. That's why we all are interested in in unpeeling that onion or the layers and trying to figure out like what, what why do people do what they do? Yeah. And so for me, I feel like men have affairs all the time, especially back in the 80s. And you know, so what? You know, I'm not I totally agree. Her. I'm not going to judge her because and I think that that's why that's another thing that that pissed me off is that she was like the all of these newspaper articles. And that was get what was getting me going as well. It's not just that mm-hmm. I when I say that I didn't feel like I got to know her. It was it was also like I was pissed off that even in these newspaper reports, you know, she was the nothing like mm-hmm. she was. Bill was like this guy. Why did he do this? He was pushed to the, you know, everybody wanted to make it. Not everybody, but from, from what, from what Jane had said, there was a lot of people coming to his defense. And then you have this huge personality with Larry Sturholm, wrong Mm -hmm. place, wrong time, blah, blah, blah. Actually don't put in blah, blah, blah. That sounds horrible. I'm just saying like, yeah, but, but like Debbie was, like an amazing woman. She was, I could yeah. see her working her ass off in that, you know, as an emergency room nurse and, and, and taking names and whatever that saying is like right. just being awesome. And then she had this yeah. entrepreneurial spirit in the eighties. I mean, if you think about women weren't even allowed in quotes to get credit cards without their husbands until yeah. like seventies. And that's yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg allowed us to, <laughs> to have our own credit card, you know? Yeah. Right. So I, I just crazy. felt angry on so many levels just about like, so what did she have these affairs? You know, no, I, 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 I completely agree with you. What I'm saying is that is that despite like all things being equal, completely even playing field between men and women, which is pie in the sky. I know. And that's not to say that men who have extramarital affairs all the time don't get themselves in fucked up situations because that happens also, right? Because that happens also. And so we should have a really clear eye on that as well. But taking all of that into consideration, the fact that her lifestyle choices to, to say that her lifestyle didn't contribute to, to it, I think is, is a little too woke even for me. Right. 
I mean, and, and again, I'll, I'll take the hit for that if, if it's what it is. But I mean, because then it, it, I got some advice when I was a younger man from my brother who said, don't date a woman who would leave another person for you because you could probably be next. Right. <laughs> okay. So, and that's cool. That's brotherly advice. And I get it. And I, I mostly followed it. And so, you know, and listening to the episode, because when things started getting weird with Bill, she meets Larry. Okay. And, and right. And so then another lifestyle choice that she makes winds up really bad for someone else also, you know? So uh, it, it's just, and the, oh, gosh, look, obviously someone's behavior, regardless of what it is, doesn't deserve what happened to her. But I, I also want to be able to, to, you know, really look at it objectively and and see the world that she kind of created for herself that might have opened some doors that otherwise would have stayed closed. I think sometimes, and I think this is why I relate to her too. It's like, we're a product of our, of who we are, Ooh. all of our, you know, the different layers of like how we grew up, you know, what, what opportunities did we have? And I think that Jane painted, a, and, and I totally understood what Jane was saying about Deborah only saw herself by her looks. Mm. And, and I think that that hit me so hard because, you know, as a woman, that's how we've been judged for so long. And I'm so happy that it's changing, you know, yeah. it's like slow, but it's like, it's, it's like, Deborah, in my so her mind, self worth. I'm sorry. So her self worth was uh, a direct, directly correlated to the men that found her attractive. Right, and not only that, but it's like you know, there's that high. You know, when there's the high. You know, people are addicted to highs. I know I am addicted to highs in different mm -hmm. in different ways. Not with you know having multiple partners, but in other ways. And so sometimes yeah. you know, it's not necessarily you know whatever whatever high you choose. It, it feels like that's kind of what it was that that kind of behavior of of like excitement your, of a new relationship right, right? And, yeah and, you know yeah. when you go down and then you need something to go back up and then you go down and then you need something back up so i mean i just feel like it's it's an extreme example of something that's relatable to most of us who who have those you know you want that high and whatever that is you know whether it's food yeah. whether it's sex whether it's drugs whether it's TV, whatever it is, you know, right. you're obsessed with just, you know, watching different, you know, whatever. Work. We all have work. our own obsessions. Yeah, work. work. Seeing yes. your kids succeed in something is a wonderful high. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, yeah. I just, I feel like if we're honest with ourselves, then what she did, you know what? I mean, it, it's, it's not something I would necessarily do, but I think that sometimes you get yourself into situations where you don't plan for it to happen that way right what i'm saying is to your point to your point here what i'm trying to say and thank you for leading me here maybe uh, without knowing you were doing it that high you credit right that high right yeah. let's say mm -hmm. that that's what it was mm -hmm. the high like you're saying that that she you know her looks were you know one of the driving factors of her life what men are attracted to me mm -hmm. right several affairs um uh if her high was something else if her high was working out Okay, chances are this thing wouldn't have happened to her, right? Like if she was chasing a different high that 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 got her out of bed every day, other than I want to experience that wonderful intoxicating feeling of new romance, okay, mm -hmm. over and over and over again, right? I miss that too. I've been with my wife for twenty two years, okay, mm -hmm. and so my 
it's different now. It's the day to day, and we and, and we find ways to recreate that that early magic, you know. But it's you work at it. But that's that's what a marriage is, you know. And so so that so that's what I'm saying. If she was able to to get that kind of fulfillment somewhere else. I think maybe things might have turned out differently for her, but, but we are who we are. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, you and I, I remember a conversation and this is about the highs, mm -hmm. it, like we've had where you, you were, it was during a point where you were overwhelmed with a bunch of your work. You had a bunch of stuff on mm -hmm. your plate and I was like worried about you thinking, <laughs> man, he's got a lot and I've got to add more to it. So get, get that other stuff off the table. <laughs> Get that other stuff off the table. Get me back in front and center. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was sitting there thinking to myself, and then you said something to me like, no, this is what I love. And the way that you said it, I knew exactly what you meant. Like, this is what I love. This is what I love. Like, you love this work. You love being insane and having one thing after another and then like having projects yeah. go through and and I and 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 I just think that depending on whatever that whatever that is, sometimes it can be really positive, but it's also this was something that she was getting her self-worth. And that's really yep. powerful. And I think that and almost impossible to walk away from. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads me to my next thing. Okay. So a complete fucking jealous murderous maniac like bill doesn't happen like overnight in my opinion in my experience okay was there evidence of this behavior in his previous marriages or relationships that you were aware of? that was the weird thing is that you would think right that that's true but according to what i went through and researching all those documents was that he you know he'd had two divorces before you know there wasn't I think that maybe it was a combination of, you know, he was middle-aged oh. and he had retired and, you know, he wasn't in control of, he wasn't the big shot anymore. You know, he was a nuclear a captain of a nuclear submarine at one point, you know, he, he went to a prestigious business school. Like, yeah. I feel like he, Morgan. you know, and then yeah. I think he had like a couple of kids that were in college. And so he was living in this like probably crappy apartment and, you know, here she is having this huge success. And that was another thing. He was jealous of her success. She's sitting here rocking it with having these properties in the eighties when women, there's not a lot of other women who are entrepreneurs because of yeah. just the fact that they can, you know, there's just, you know, we haven't evolved there yet. Right. Right. And, um, you know, she's a trailblazer. And that was another thing that I just loved about her and wanted her to get credit for. And um, so I think that, you know, I'm obviously not a psychiatrist, but I feel like um, whenever there are issues coming up in, in, in triggers, I guess is what you would call it, where it's like, you know, he's with this young you know, beautiful woman. He, he wants to possess her. He, right. he doesn't have a lot going on in his life. You know, he's being triggered. Um, if he has financial pressures, you know, these are all very common triggers for people to, you know, do things that they would probably regret later. Right. Have you ever had that kind of, not like where you feel like you want to murder somebody. Well, maybe you feel like you want to murder somebody, but that jealous kind of like, Duh, right about someone that you were dating have you, you ever know, like driven to their house in the middle of the night because you don't trust that maybe someone's car's there 
You know, I was really fortunate. You know, you've talked about you've been with your wife forever. I've been with yeah. my husband since I was 20. And and yeah. and so I had an opportunity once. There was a situation where, and I'm not going to go into this huge long story, but yeah. bottom line is my husband, my my then boyfriend, um, we'd had this argument. He was my husband was my boyfriend, and he was mm-hmm. like this being a complete asshole which he will which he will absolutely agree to uh-huh. and we were on our way to a Lollapalooza concert with like a bunch of friends and something happened where we got pulled over and you know I was just a passenger so I was like and then right at that time it just was like the weirdest thing where my ex-boyfriend the one that had broken up with me prior to me yeah. dating my husband he saw me and he was like Come with me if you want to live. No, he was like <laughs> Terminator he was like, Two reference. He Gen was like, X "Come, reference. come, Carolyn, come." And I was like, "Absolutely, I freaking love this guy." This was the type of guy yeah. where it was like, I would hold on to the motorcycle when we were riding, and he would go oh. like 120 miles an hour, oh and I would gosh. just be like, "I don't care," right? <laughs> and and for whatever reason, so I went and grabbed my backpack and I was ready to go. And I had, and and I just was like, wait a second. I actually didn't want that kind of crazy fucking right. relationship. I wanted to be with, with my husband or my boyfriend who was having a bad day. And yeah. there was a bunch of other reasons, but I remember being smart enough to make that choice of being like, I don't want crazy. I don't yeah. want this. You know, because it doesn't bring out the best in me. You know, right. I don't want to be that jealous, like freaker. You yeah, because it's not a good feeling. It happened to me once before yeah. the, the girl I met before my wife, the girl I was dating before I met my wife. Um, and I'm not a jealous guy, just not. It's just not how it is. And we were on the phone, and uh, <laughs> so fucking stupid. We're on the phone. And she lived in Beverly Hills. I was in Hollywood. So it's like, depending on what time of day, it's like a 15 or 20 minute drive, right? And I hear a guy's voice in the background, right? Like really, really quick. And and I went, who who was that? She goes, who was what? I was like, that, the guy I just heard. She goes, what are you, what, I don't even know what you're, who? Right? And I was like, am I a lunatic? Like what the hell is going on? And so in a second, I I go into this, jealous kind of spiral like and i get off the phone and i'm walking around my apartment i don't know what the fuck is going on and i get in the car and i drive to i don't even tell her i drive to her house where she's where she's living and i i'm sitting in front of on on the street and 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 it's driving me insane and i go up and i knock on her door because i don't trust all of a sudden because i know what i heard and it turns out what i heard was she had an alarm set on a cl- an old school clock radio, right? To make to wake her up in case she fell asleep studying. Okay. And she inadvertently when it went off, and it was like the DJ's voice that I heard. And she just reached over and hit and hit it off. And 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 it made perfect sense because I, I I knew I recognized the voice, but I couldn't place it because it was a fucking DJ on a three-second alarm clock radio. That she turned off to the point where she didn't even know what I was talking about, what voice I'd hear, because it was just such a natural thing for her to turn the thing off. And so, but that, like, that put me into therapy. Like, it scared me about myself, like how I felt, the way I, the way that I reacted, you know, um, because I'd always thought that jealous people have deeper, like, 
like personal problems or, or, you know, insecurity issues or whatever. And so I really needed to examine if I was dealing with any of that. And it turns out that I was, and I got over it and I'm able to have a great relationship with my wife. But see, here's what I love about that story, Brandon. Mm. Here's what I love is that when you are lucky enough or make the right choices, I mean, you don't become this other person. That's why I never put myself above Deborah or whatever, because, you know, I made the right choice that day. It could have gone something totally different and my life would be completely different. I'm the same person. And so it's like, you know, that's, we're complicated people. I absolutely believe that, you know, if you wouldn't have gone through therapy and you would have kept like going crazy after this girl, (laughs) like you never know what you would be capable of doing. Of course, of course. It's, it's, it's choices that we make at, at different, at different times in our lives. Right. And so my kind of broadside against Debbie earlier in this conversation wasn't in in any way to shame any decisions that she made, right. A, A grown woman, consenting adults do whatever you want and that's fine okay what i'm saying is that those choices okay those choices that we make her thinking she could handle this guy and saying that right there is very telling oh i can handle it that's acknowledging that there's something fucked up right or what else what there's there's nothing to handle if everything's okay she's like oh i can handle it she knew that something was going on and maybe it was like you know, the old Carolyn where I like going 120 with my hair on fire on the back of a motorcycle and consequences be damned. Right. Yeah. She was experiencing that. Oh, it's kind of sexy or maybe, I don't know. I don't know exactly to... what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Why else okay. would she do it? Right. I mean, right. she wanted that. She Cause if it that. validates this guy driving three and a half hours unannounced, she's like, he's fucking into me. Yeah. It feels good. I think it turns so quick that it's yeah. like, and, and how many times have you, you know, you really get to know a person, right? You know? Right. Whew. Wow. So poor Larry, sorry, James, the stylist to so talk about James, her real estate partner. Mm-hmm. So what was that all about? You know, I don't think they were having an affair. According to the police documents that I read, it was, he was her stylist and they were, you know, they were friends and they were like, I mean, you could hear the conversation rolling out while he's doing her hair. Like, Hey, I love real estate. Yeah, me too. I've got some money. Yeah. I've got some money. I can explore resources. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that he was just, again, like she, she could have relationships with men that weren't sexual. And I think that's one of them. Yeah. And so the Larry situation. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a second. Yeah. So tell us who Larry was. I, you know, to be honest with you, I, he's, he was married for decades to the same yeah. woman. And I think that they probably met. And this is like my anecdotal thing, but I think they were just both drawn to each other, like moths to a flame, like completely outgoing, like yeah. super witty and just like, you know, rip. I mean, you know, when you have that attraction with someone and he was in a place where he, you know, who knows what was going on with him? You know, right. he was obviously retiring from his seg- his popular Larry at large segment and yeah. he was taking on a new, a new thing. And, um, you know, I know that they, they really tried to kind of downplay. It sounds like uh, when I was talking to Jane and, um, you know, because he had uh, a, a wife who loved him and had no idea that he was dropping um, 
she was dropping him off at the airport and he's going out the back door and getting a rental car. You know, I mean, how crunchy is that? And, and it's like, and they were, everybody was really like during the trial, like they didn't want to acknowledge that it, that it was an affair because then she, you know, not only did she lose her husband, but then it's like, it it was very complicated. You know, here's this person who's built this reputation of being an award-winning journalist and a really good guy. And, and, you know, it just sounds like, you know, he made his choices too. Unfortunately, you know, who knew that bill was going to, who's who, who know what it's like, you know, people who wife swap and, and all that stuff. Right. Like I don't judge people as long as, you know, my motto is if you're not hurting anybody, you know, do what, you know, that's not for me, but I definitely wouldn't, but it's like, of course you've got so many egos and everything involved. Like, how could you not think, you know, few people could do that and not have sour grapes. Right. Yeah, of course. course. I mean, you know, of course it's just, and so, oh man, it's just so brutal. It's so fucking brutal. What happened? It is. It is. And his last meal. I mean, that was like, what (sighs) the, you know, knowing that you've made this decision. And that was the thing that got to me too. Like when I was listening to his voice and I had to listen to those tapes, I was so angry. I was getting so angry at this guy. And I was like, he, I could see him leaning into his, um, putting himself forward as this upstanding citizen and he was you know and he couldn't fall back on that i'm like dude you just murdered two people and stabbed them over 300 times are you really trying to act like you are the captain of a submarine and can like manage this i mean right oh gosh and so uh it's where it's where like it's it's all not fun but it's interesting talking about the personalities and the decisions that we make and the different type of relationships and stuff but it's such a cold water bucket over your head when you remember how it ends yeah. right and then it's like oh christ yeah and i don't the, the real I... human cost you know yeah i mean when she yeah. said i thought that i could hand she thought that she could handle him it's like we that's so true like you were around in this time like i yeah. mean back then like what could she have done nothing she she couldn't have done anything nothing you know i remember and then and then and then dealing with the judgment of people if she's like yeah you know this is an affair it's another one you know like right it's an affair have- and then oh that guy was the, the next affair from this affair and so you know, right, like, she would have been judged, and she would not have wanted people to know her business, and she wanted yep. to put herself forward as a, you know, as as she was, which was, you know, starting this amazing business that was, yeah. you know, really successful. I mean, I just feel like she was in a really tough spot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, gosh, Brandon, look at what happened. What she wrote to her daughter Jenny. Mm-hmm. On if, if that doesn't show you her moral character and fortitude, like her last thought is of her little girl. Yep. I mean, every time I think about that, that makes me cry. Yeah, it's and brutal. I, this whole thing is brutal. I mean, I know. Say, say whatever you want about sexual proclivities or infidelities or whatever. It doesn't mean get brutally murdered. Like that's not 
that punishment doesn't fit the you know perceived crime at, at all and i don't think anybody thinks that if they do then they got their own fucking problems but but it's just it's just these these circumstances and the steps and the things that had to fall into place for this you know like i, I one of one of the a different podcasts that i did i, I remember um it was about this this terrible murder suicide and and i was able to distill the story down to like one one moment one decision that this kid made that would have changed his whole life if he had almost literally gone right instead of left at this one moment right but we don't realize those moments most of the time while they're happening right you got to kind of work backwards and work backwards and work backwards and with with debbie like what could the moment have been in her life like was it something when she was seven years old and her dad said something stupid right that instilled in her well i better look good or men aren't gonna love me right that's something i worry about with my daughters all the time am i am i completely fucking them up <laughs> with bad parenting choices i don't know nobody really knows right well, I, it's I, not like... even just the thing that's the thing it's not even just you your parenting choices mm -hmm. it's also just society and i'm so right grateful that it's evolving because, you know, I have obviously have daughters and, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, if you look at the messaging that's out there, it's changing, but, you know, I mean, I talked about this in the shadow girls, the messaging that girls get is, is, has got to change. And it is. And I think that yep. the messaging that Deborah got is real clear, you know, she got her power some of her power out of attract and and you know what it is it is great to get that attention yeah you know, of course it it because back in the day that's if you got that you know you you could be going places and if you didn't you know you weren't going places right so it's like it's a very complicated stew it's not just one thing like oh well if her dad would have said i loved you she wouldn't have turned out like that it that's not that's not it. It's so much deeper. And just having these conversations, I think, is is really important. And, um, you know, and I think that that's, you know, Jane coming forward was was why she came forward for the little girls out there, for, yep. for her daughters, for yeah. her, what she experienced, for what she had, you know, saw happening. And you could tell that she was frustrated with her friend. Like, you don't have to do this. You know, she's a tough New York woman. And, you know, and yet she stood by her friend, you know, and I really. I think that's what's her. important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she tells me that Debbie had a lot going for her, that she had a friend like Jane who was like, hey, I want to be yeah. in business with you. I want to, you know, grow this business and grow our friendship and be in this together. And even though you have, I wish you wouldn't do this, I still love you and I still want to help you through it. You know, and I think that that's something that is worth noting in this case. Unfortunately, you know, at the end of the day, you know, she couldn't, you know, didn't change it. But I, I do right. think she had a good friend in Jane. Well, listen, let's wrap this up. This was really, really terrific. I, I, I think this uh, bonus content stuff is going to work. So uh, are we still great. recording? Yeah, we're are recording. We just... That's fine. They can, people can hear this. It's fine. Um so uh, I look forward to uh, – I'm reluctantly looking forward to the next episode, Paradise Lost. That one's a tough one for me. 
I knew it would be because of your daughter. Yeah, yeah really, yeah. really tough one for me. Um, but uh, I will look forward to another lively conversation about that one uh, next week. So um, we will say goodbye for now, but I wanted to thank everybody for subscribing to Cavalry Plus and um, any questions or comments or recommendations for future episodes, please email at the murder chronicles at cavalrymedia.com. Um, and Carolyn, do you have a Instagram that people can go to? Um, I do, but it's like, uh, it's like from my cooking stuff. It's like, on me, which I... well, we'll get you a new one and yeah. we'll, we'll start building that. And, uh, anything you want to add before we sign off? Um, I can't think of anything. Is there anything you think I should add? <laughs> I don't. I, I feel like I talked a lot. I feel like you I did. Talked it was, a but lot. it was terrific. It, it 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 flew past. We're forty minutes in here. It's, it's I know. Flown. We can never just it's have flown. a real quick conversation. I know. <laughs> it's flown by. So make sure you follow the, the Murder Chronicles on Apple Podcasts wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe to Cavalry Plus in the Apple Podcasts app, uh, and uh, stay tuned. Thank you very much for listening. The Murder Chronicles is a Cavalry audio production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We're produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Our executive producers are Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Josh Windish edited and mixed this episode. Music by Soundstripe. For Cavalry Audio, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.